Welcome back once again to V'ger Please, everybody. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. And wonderful co-host you are, Peter. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing all the editing, Joe. <laughs> I gotta keep you coming back somehow. Thank you for letting me be a fat slob in my basement, not doing anything to really contribute other than running my mouth off about Star Trek. I, I appreciate it. It's a dream come true. You should try it sometime. <laughs> I wanted to start our show this week by talking about uh, the environment we find ourselves in, in the moment that we are recording this, which is February 13th, 2020. And that is in the middle of Picard's release, because, you know, we had I had some hot takes last week. You had mostly ears ringing because I kept shouting over you. Um, But I think it's worth reviewing, like how the show has been received by its fans so far. Make it so. Oh, you son of a bitch. I don't know if you know this, but the primary showrunner and writer for Picard, Michael Chabon, took to Instagram to defend the choices that they've made so far on the show. They have caught so much shit for it. Like, Wow. Three episodes in and he already had his Mass Effect 3 moment. Yeah. Like, you're, you're barely... A th- not even a third into the run of your season and you are seeing so much return fire from your would-be fans that you have to spend two minutes on Instagram with a slideshow trying to explain away your dumbass choices of why Ad- Admiral Craft Services cursed at Picard or why some stupid obviously corrupt Starfleet Commodore and Church of Security is wearing goddamn Ray-Bans. Did he address that specifically? Yes. Thank you. You'll have to, I'll tell you what, put a link to that in the trauma support group, please, so I can enjoy it. The one that got me the most was his explanation for Raffi's vaping. And, you know, just the idea that in the 24th century, you know, people are going to be vaping and having ear pods and trying to defend that like oh you know future technology might look like current technology because it's ergonomically correct it's like it's 400 years in the future i mean i'm not riding a bicycle with like a 10 foot tall front tire be creative right do something wacky do something wild like reimagine things that's what the the 90s show was so good at It, it imagined things that inspired industrial designers for the next 30 years to make things that look like the things that were on that show. You know, like, do you think it's an accident that the iPod, the iPad looks like a goddamn pad from TNG? Of and course coincidentally, not. the Federation pads now no longer look anything like iPads because it's like, well, we can't have it look like this because then it just looks like a an iPad. It needs to look the iPad looks like your thing. Embrace it. D- don't give me the goddamn Iron Man swipey holograms. Just just stick with the fucking future tech that was so good. We realized it in real life and like establish it as like IRL canon. I, I don't know why this Iron Man hologram swipey stuff is bothering me so much, but like every episode, it just gets worse and worse. You're, you began this with the comment about the showrunners addressing the fans and man, what a what a question. What what are Star Trek fans in 2020? Who are the Star Trek fans? It's like, God, yeah, what a fucking that, difficult million dollar question. It's that is a very difficult question and one I've spent a lot of time considering because it 
the show has obviously been very meaningful to me from my life. And I always considered myself a very big Star Trek fan and considered Star Trek fans in general to be a certain kind of person based on the interactions I've had. But boy, oh boy, have I been gobsmacked by the amount of people I've considered knowledgeable, rational Star Trek fans that seem to think that this shit is worth their time. Like just nothing but praise sometimes. To that it's point. A- and and let me go on record as saying, if you enjoy this show, more power to you. As hard as you and I rail on it, I, I'm not going to be anyone to say you are enjoying a product the wrong way. I believe that like video games, there's a person out there for every game. There's a person out there for every TV show. And if this is the direction that, you know, the franchise is choosing to progress or evolve and it's favoring some people more than others as far as a target audience that that's cool. And, and I'm not going to hold any ill will against those people specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I'll agree. There's people that I thought were, I don't know if I want to say traditional trekkers or, or what, but this is certainly divided um, some, some fan bases that I thought were pretty uniform previously. Yeah. I thought that people who liked TNG, were liked it for a certain reason because the show represented a certain kind of entertainment. And, you know, now I look at some of these sources, some of them hate it. Like we do, I would say maybe even the majority do. And then others are just, just lavishing praise on this, this show that, that I don't think could be anything less like Star Trek if it tried. And let alone a spiritually in any way, shape or form associated with TNG specifically. And I do not understand why that is. And I can understand more a Discovery fan watching the show and saying, I like it because it is more like Discovery for sure, which makes sense. The people who are behind Discovery are behind this. You would you would you would think that it would resemble it. But for old school Trek fans who enjoyed that sort of deep philosophical slow, but with a purpose type of storytelling uh, that really relied on the strength of its actors and performances to convey what was going on because, you know, effects and budgets and that sort of thing couldn't do it for them to watch this and say, Oh, this is great. I'm like, what the fuck? What? What? Ugh. Kind of disgusts me a little bit, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. What kind of disgusted me a little bit was the fact that this episode was not bad enough. Uh, We left off on season one, episode three, with a pretty clear mandate that if the show did not get better, that we would be throwing in the towel. And I fully expected our conversation off air to be a all right, this is it. We're throwing in the towel and going back to Voyager. But the, it, it certainly was not the garbage fire that episode three was. And I think that's because Raffi was not able to be on screen enough to really <laughs> make me want to like jam my pen into my eyeball. So it, it it's pulling up a little bit out of its nose dive. I still think it's terrible, but I don't think it's to the point where I want to slap that abort button. And for me... I want the podcast to be fun. 
I want right. our conversation to, to be fun. And I want people sitting at home or driving to work or whatever to be able to listen to what we're talking about and have fun with us. And if it's just you and I dying uh, uh, <laughs> a, a toxic death of coronavirus infused tampons <laughs> being jammed <laughs> into our dick holes. You know, that's that's not doing me any favors. It's not you doing you any favors. And maybe it would be better if we just said, you know, this is not for us. Uh, I, I, I think there's some some sort of fun to be had here still. But I think when it reaches a point where it's we just can't we can't give people fun with this medium, it's it's going to be the abortion point. I I will say that I'm less mad now, not because this episode wasn't garbage, because it most certainly was, but because I think I was really mad last week because it, the show had the temerity to give me hope week one because I was ready like you. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful, right? I, it's It can't not be awful. And the episode one was pretty good. I'm like, oh, wow. And I had a whole week to get my expectations up. And, it, you know, the second episode just like was awful and the third episode was even fucking worse and that's why i was mad right but now that i'm back to where i expected to be i'm actually more okay with this because now i can just make fun of it right like now i'm like oh it's terrible that's fine this is now meeting my expectations i think initially to tell the story that they want to tell in this series you have to take something that was working fine before and you had to fundamentally break it. You had to turn Starfleet into garbage. You had to take Picard away from his crew. And and you had to force the people at home to accept the fact that this show is going to be full of jabronis. And and the the first well, the second and the third episode were the painful process of tying next gen down to a bed and getting a baseball bat and breaking all of its bones. <laughs> Right. And again, I think there was a right way to turn Starfleet into garbage and take Picard away from his family and do so believably and and eloquently. And I think that instead they chose like the most clumsy, stupid, worst ways possible to do that. But the Band-Aid's been ripped off. The wound is open. The blood is spilling out. And, you know, the bacteria are in there infecting it now. Now the stage is set to tell the the story they want, and we've we've been force fed the pills. I I I hate being this guy, but I don't think I can say it any other way. I fucking hate the story they want to tell. Why in the hell did they feel like they had to make this whole premise about Starfleet being garbage and like everything being terrible? Like, can we please just have some optimism? Can we have some piece of media in the year of our Lord 2020 that actually dares to say, hey, maybe we can all make this, you know, society better. No. Maybe there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Like, can we I mean, that's what I was hoping. I remember I actually listened to our first discussion we had about Picard when it was announced. And I talked about wanting that so much because that's what's so resonant about TNG specifically. That's what makes me love it to this day and has made me love it my whole life. No, because and, and, they've been very upfront right off the jump in saying that 
we wanted to tell a political story about modern day America and what's wrong with it. And, and that's everything fucking else is that I, I am so t- fucking tired of everything having to be about current year political necessity. Every piece of media is just gets infected with this bullshit so much so that you can have no escapism whatsoever. Even hopeful, you know, soaring, inspiring escapism, right? I'm not like when I have to look out into the great continuum of fictional universes and and science fiction, you know, the most like fantastic a hopeful, uplifting thing that doesn't have any politics in it that's popular I can think of. Fucking Fast and the Furious, Peter. (laughs) That's it! That's what we're left with, is fucking Vin Diesel making cars fly, you know, (laughs) through the power of his his roid, you know, biceps. Like, with, you know, Michelle Rodriguez riding shotgun. That's it! That's all we've got, is this, is that, is the Fast and the Furious movies, which are fucking awesome, by the way, and I will Brooke, no other words otherwise on this podcast. They're garbage, but they're they're great garbage. It, it's just why why did you have to take something that for fifty years, for fifty fucking years, has been a hopeful look into the potential utopian future of humanity, and even when in its darker moments is about those people trying to strive and become better than their faults and to overcome their worst impulses and to say, no, we will be better because we can be better. Instead, say, why don't we make it about, you know, fucking orange man bad in space, I guess. I don't, I've just, fuck. Because I'm money. so tired. Because money, man. And and again, here's my prediction. Picard's going to die season one. Patrick Stewart's going to exit the show. He's going to sit back as executive producer, make cash, and, and they're going to have a following and they're going to have... Something making money for CBS All Access, something making money for Patrick Stewart and who really cares about the story because wallowing in political despair uh, is what brings eyeballs to the screens and subscription services into the CBS bank account. I don't know how to say it past that, but um, that, that's what we watched. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. And that's sad. And what did we watch? You don't have week? Gene Roddenberry around anymore to say. Hey, let's what if we told a, an inspiring story? That's that's what happened. Um, season uh, one, episode four. Abs- speaking speaking of absolute candor, you and I. <laughs> we got no problem with that here. Joe, so, you know what? And it, I, yeah. I want to jump back to your Fast and the Furious reference. You know, if if you want a story about a hopeful tomorrow, go watch the fucking Orville. Yeah, true. True fucking story. You, you want mean, it? I, there it is. Yeah. It, it's a Seth MacFarlane sci-fi poop humor comedy. It's out there and you don't have to pay CBS to see it because it's just, well, I think they're Hulu now, but whatever. Hulu yeah, they're on Hulu. But yeah, so this episode of Picard is about the crew of the Firefly Serenity uh, going to a planet to recruit a uh, Ronin samurai space elf uh, to join them on their epic quest to go to Mount Doom to dunk the One Ring. I guess I it was it. I laughed while watching this. The things that they did to try and make this a thing. 
Like I they... cried when I saw that it was <laughs> Jonathan Frakes who oh. took this script and said somehow, yes, I will make this for you, Patrick Stewart. I don't know what our friendship is going to be after this is done, <laughs> but for what, you, what, what? for you, Jean-Luc, yes. Even though you can't fucking go to Will Riker and ask him to be your number one. Uh, yeah, I, I will do this for you. Everything you just said, absolutely right. What the fuck is going on with this story? I, I, you know what, Michael Chabon, I don't know if you'll ever hear this. You probably won't, but brother, I, I've read some bad fan fiction in my time, right? I, I, I think if you wanted to make some Firefly fan fiction where you you just like did like an alternate universe where secretly like Jean-Luc Picard was, you know, on Serenity and like doing crimes with Malcolm Reynolds in space and and then like J.O. all over it. You didn't have to actually subject the rest of us to it. So, you know, next time, maybe don't like produce a television show and slap the Picard name on your your fan fiction, brother. I'd, I'd appreciate it. Did he at any point in his Instagram apology say Kurtzman made me do it? I don't know. All I all I could think of was that while I was writing this or right while I was watching this was that if uh, this this writer has a Pulitzer Prize, clearly that's much easier to get than I thought. I, I guess like you could just just fall ass backwards into that. Right. Like if this is if this is the uh, content that a Pulitzer Prize winner comes up with, that's terrible. <laughs> that's fucking awful. Standards are low. So uh, for this episode, we've got two words for anybody who might be interested in that is lens flare. Oh, all over every shot they can. E- every fucking shot. We start off on uh, one of the Romulan displacement mobile park communities that they've popped up elsewhere in the galaxy away from the, uh, you know, impending supernova. And, uh, this is the 14 years in the past. It's first contact day, you know, like trying to paint a picture of shit that's happened leading up to this, that they did last episode as well. Lots of traditional Romulan haircuts in this, which I did appreciate. And we get introduced to a new faction within the Romulan Galactic community. And it is, uh, I don't know, the Night Elf Sisters. I, I don't know what to call these guys. <laughs> I don't remember what they're really supposed to be called. The- I mean, let's, let's, let's describe them. Let's honestly describe what they are. They are a sect of ninja samurai Romulan nuns who believe in only speaking the absolute truth and murdering people for hire, but only for good reasons. This is the, this, I, I, if you like created a, a piece of software whose entire purpose was to create the least Star Trek sounding idea possible, I'm not sure it could do that. I don't think this would be what comes out. I don't think it could get that far. I think that looking at this episode and what else we've seen out of Picard so far, it feels to me like someone took every video game that BioWare ever made and laid all the concepts, plot hooks, and and character traits on a big board. And every episode, they're just grabbing certain things off. Like these warrior nuns are like, 
the handmaidens kind of from uh Kotor 2 with a kinda, little yeah with a little kinda, bit of like dress like it yeah with a little bit of the uh the death monks from uh Neverwinter Nights and uh I'm sure there's some Dragon Age stuff going on there right now that I'm I'm too frazzled to even Yeah, they're like part Grey Warden, I'm sure, like oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's uh it's yeah, there there it it's man like I I did to be fair, I did really like the fact that they stand in stark opposition to any sort of treachery or subterfuge that they have this this code uh this personal code of uh conduct that they will have absolute candor uh and that they will say exactly what is their mind with with no obfuscation whatsoever and and that's that that's extremely not romulan and i think that if it was that alone i would appreciate it for what it is and said they've got this whole ninja if they weren't also ninjas the like super ninjas uh that like the idea that there is this sect that they you know they cloister themselves and have you know, this this sort of semi-religious, you know, structure. They could have built something around that, sure. But the idea that they're opposed philosophically to Romulan secrecy, that could have legs. It's everything else fucking about it that's just, like, bizarre. Worst part of these guys to me was the fact that they are the hated enemy of the Tal Shiar. Okay, yeah, so look, if this is the peak Romulan Shiar empire, right? And, and you're right. like, man, fuck the Tal Shiar. They're lying bullshit. Fuck them! I'm, I'm. We're going to oppose them, and that's going to be that. And Romulan society, which is built around secrecy and the treachery of the Romulan Senate and and the Tal Shiar secret police. Fuck all those guys. You know what would happen, Joe? They'd get fucking disappeared into whatever a Romulan black site is, never to see the light of day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You don't live yeah, in Nazi. Ger- you don't live in Nazi Germany as like the sound of music lady and be like, oh, fuck the Gestapo. <laughs> I'm going to fight these motherfuckers with music and love. I'm gonna- <laughs> like, you, don't- you don't fuck around with the Tal. The Tal Shiar is such a goddamn joke in this episode and in- in this entire series. Like they keep again. I don't know how things ended up in, in Deep Space Nine, but like. What, what does any of this fucking mean? The, the Tal Shiar aren't the Tal Shiar. You got to have the Tal Tal Shiar Shiar. If you want any real Romulan secret police, these nuns of truth, tell them to fuck off and they get relocated and resettled just fine. What the fuck ever, man? Whatever. So there we are at the uh, Picard, Romulan. Oh, let's talk about it for a second. Picard's wearing what I can only describe as the kind of outfit that you would wear if you're vacationing in Cuba in 1947. The rich like, gringo outfit, yes. The rich gringo outfit with the giant Panama hat. Like, okay, great, great. This is great. This is fine. Go ahead. Uh, he goes off to the the mobile home park of the warrior nuns. Meanwhile, the Romulan star is going to go supernova and blow everybody up, but he's taking like an extended holiday, I guess, to just go visit these friends that he has somehow made very close connections with over the course of this uh, mass exodus, we get a very unbelievable father son ish relationship jammed down our throat because the script said so, as we are introduced to a 
Romulan orphan boy who is living with the warrior nuns. Uh, Legolas. Romulan space Legolas. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's very clearly what he is. Uh, He. We even have it told to us that Picard doesn't like kids, but you would never have guessed that by any sort of way that Picard has behaved in this series at all so far. It's like, okay, that exchange actually illustrated some dark truths to me. One, you know, like they keep like bringing up character traits of people from TNG as if that should count for something. Like Picard's dislike of children, you know, is something that was built into the DNA of his experiences on the Enterprise. And by the end of the show, he was not comfortable with kids it's not like he grew like tremendously in that regard like in the seventh season he was still like oh boy i gotta do captain picard day shit right like he didn't like him it just wasn't his but he learned to accept like i have you know like to to deal with this and you know i need to i need to be a captain to all of these families and you know, they bring that up like, uh, hey, look at this. It's a reference. Picard doesn't like kids. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're fucking missing the point. Second, the weakness in Patrick Stewart's performance was palpable from the beginning of this episode through all the way through. And this scene in particular where I'm like, I don't know if he knows how to play his fucking character anymore. It's what I said last episode. And and I stand by it. I think that. I think this is a good example of why you should not be your own dungeon master, why you should not be your own storyteller. If, if we're talking role playing games like you cannot yes. have the inmates running the nut house. Fucking yes. I don't. That is perfect way to put it, Peter. This and is why you have producers and directors who are not the actors. I think I think to play a role, sometimes there's going to be some things that you don't agree with that your character is doing. And it's because ultimately there's someone who understands the story better than you and you're too close and it's too personal. I feel like on this trip through Picard, Patrick Stewart's been like, you know, I've always disagreed with uh, this thing about Picard or that thing about Picard from whatever standpoint I have. And that's fine and dandy. But like, look, man, there's rules to the universe. There's rules to the character. And there's things that even if you don't agree with character flaws, they become necessary to to have that character be that character. And I think, again, as an executive producer, there was some notes passed down, but like, let's really warm Picard up where, you know, before he didn't like kids or whatever, let's him be everybody's father. He wants to be Dodge's father. He wants to be Legolas's father. He wanted to be Data's father. He wants to be, you know, take your pick out of any of these characters we've been introduced to so far that I, I feel like he's trying to like insert the fatherly, roots into um and it's it it does not feel like picard and it's it's not just that it's the lack of stern leadership and i'm not saying that the character can't evolve and i can't say things can't change i'm just saying that if the name picard was not on the series and it wasn't patrick stewart standing there and you showed me any of this stuff and said like now can you guess who the lead character is that we've been referring to as mr x the last fucking name i would say is john luke picard I couldn't possibly agree more. And it's sad. Like, I know I kind of started to feel that last week, too. You vocalized it. But this was just undeniable proof that 
either he does not know how to play this character anymore or nobody is directing him effectively. Uh, you know, the Picard we've always known just was more serious than this, was stronger. He felt so weak. And I don't know if it's his age as an actor or just what he decided. I just don't get it. But uh, it's awful. And I hated it. And to the point of all this belly aching, it's that Picard that I signed up to do this show for. Same. You know, it. We specifically stopped watching Star Trek Voyager to cover this this ten episode story arc because I love John Luke Picard and you love John Luke Picard and we wanted to watch John Luke Picard's story and I again I don't I don't feel like this is anything to fucking do with Picard or really Star Trek like. I said on the trauma support group, you know, you cut the name Picard out of this and you remove Patrick Stewart and you have someone else portray this. And we change Starfleet to Space Force and a couple other name massaging. Can you tell me, is this story engaging enough that that you would say, well, if this is some random like sci fi series or whatever, would you keep watching week in and week out? And it's like. No, man, no, they're banking on nostalgia. And, and when you're banking on that nostalgia, you got to give me something. You gave me a lot of it in the first episode. And now it's like it's less and less and, and, and less and less Picard in each episode. And it hurts. So anyways, we find out that, you know, him and space Legolas are our father and sonsy. But as he's there on his extended vacation in the middle of this galactic tragedy of these son's about to go supernova and him trying to get everybody off of Romulus. Uh, you know, he's over here doing his big brother program with Legolas. We find out that the synths have attacked Mars and he gets called out and he makes a very firm promise to everybody on this planet that they're going to make things right, that help is on the way and that they will continue the evacuation of Romulus. And don't worry about it because you've got my personal assurance as Jean-Luc Picard that we're going to make this thing right. So obviously things are not made right. And we cut back to uh, the uh, the Serenity Firefly, you know, what cut out ship. is this ship's name? Whatever. I mean, that's does it, does it, it fucking the, matter. <laughs> it's the only fucking spaceship in the series we've seen so far. And it's like the fact that I can't name a Star Trek ship is astounding. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is this ship not basically a knockoff Normandy SR1 for Mass Effect? Speaking of Bioware, uh, for aesthetically inside, yes, uh, looks like that long hallway to where the bridge, you know, seats are is seems a lot like the Normandy. The hollow, uh, you know, multi-tool type of interface that they use while piloting it that you know is the th- stupid 3D computer shit. That looks like Mass Effect. On the Norbity, there's like that long hallway you were talking about. And there's like a bunch of workstations with with the hologram things. And like it's that's there. This big open holes there. The the multi engine back with the little finny parts is there. Like my wife actually pointed out and she's like, this looks like the Mass Effect ship. And I'm like, God damn, you are you you just hit the fucking the, the, the nail on the head. Like, wow. What I noticed most about the sh- the the ship was actually how they did all their cost cutting. There's no crew. Uh, they just randomly sometimes have a hologram show up that's you know played by the same guy who plays the discount Han Solo, and 
all of the scenes on the ship either take place on the bridge set or in the convenient hollow recreation of Picard's study from France. Stupid. I mean, that's that's how they're getting away with not having to build extra sets or have extras or have to fucking explain. It's just they don't even do the justice of when he dismisses the hollow, the holodeck simulation of his study. They don't even like give you the hey, here's what holodecks look like in the future. So they're on the ship and they they take off Rafi, who I will say is significantly less annoying in this episode than she was last time. And again, I think it's because she gets marginalized a little bit. Uh, But she, to her credit, actually points out a great kind of plot hole in what's going on here. You've got Picard who's assembling this suicide squad for all intents and purposes to go track down Data's long lost daughter. And. Her sister has already been assassinated by the Tal Tal Shiar Shiar. And this is life and death shit we're dealing with here, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but first let's have this huge fucking detour out to the Romulan mobile, uh, the, the, the Romulan trailer park. So I can right. go say my final goodbye to my long lost son. And because, you know, before Borg cancer kills my brain. One of the few moments that I felt had any resonance was him, you know, basically looking at Raffi and saying, I'm not going to pass this way again. That's it. That's all he says. Like, you know, he he's making it clear, like. I'm old, you know, as far as you know, I'm just old, but I also know I'm old and could die at any time. So I'm going to take this opportunity of being in space to check some boxes off, which if the show wasn't otherwise garbage, I would completely understand. Or if this was actually like connected in any way to TNG rather than some shit they invented for this, right? Like what if he was going to like visit, you remember that episode from the seventh season when he thought he had a son? Cause, uh, Damon, Damon Bach. Bach, you know, like tried to make him think that and then kill the kid or whatever. Like, yeah, there, there's all these like things that are out there from TNG. You could have tied into this to, to make it all have some level of resonance and connection instead of, you know, fucking space Legolas and his fucking ninja nun, you know, stepmoms. But whatever, that's what they did. Uh, they eventually like, bribed their way down the planet with with money, which, Dude, of course, I can't like, let it go. I, <laughs> which I don't understand how they have money because they don't believe in it. They're they get supposed to. They get they get to to Romulan Trailer Park and they're like, okay, the whole fucking world is surrounded by one big force field, a la Forest Moon Endor, and with it's lasers. impenetrable with lasers. Yeah. They've mentioned uh, several times in this episode, like Riki's Roughnecks or Ryan's Rangers or something. Clearly, the Ferris Rangers. So, yeah, service or whatever, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> for going down the Mass Effect hole all the way. Uh, so there is a Talon company or something out there, which I'm sure will be introduced to them soon enough. But there is a big force field surrounding the entire planet. And, yeah, they, they cannot get through to try and say, hey, listen, we got uh, old Admiral Picard over here. And they're like, go fuck yourself. We don't care. So they got to sneak down. And like you said. Uh, discount hand solo is like we're gonna have to bribe it. I there's there's no money. There's no money on Earth. There's no money in Starfleet. You're doing this work for 
prestige and respect this whole Picard's fucking, you know, a rich old white man and poor Rafi's living in a, a mobile home over by Gorn Rocks and she's upset about the class disparity. Like, what the fuck? Even if Picard was a have somehow in a society of everyone has, if Picard was a have as opposed to a Rafi have not whatever wealth he could have had on Earth because he inherited through old family land or whatever. How the fuck does that translate into some sort of transferable wealth that he is going to be able to trade to the Romulan mobile park, mobile home community for entry onto the planet? A couple things. One, they established on DS9 that, uh, you know, the Federation makes money available to their officers in situations where they're dealing with societies that still use it. So, like, they have some allowance of gold press latinum because, you know, that's the currency that's used when they're dealing with the Ferengi, the Bajorans, and the Cardassians, right? So, like, they don't believe in it, but and they don't have it as part of their society, but it's like a conceit of, like, dealing with others. But it's clearly, like, something that is just kind of doled out as a way for them to be able to interact. Uh, second, just so that it's, we're clear uh, of how big a nerd I am after we recorded our episode that we put out for the season three, uh, for episode three, I went and tried to find every instance of when in star Trek, they talk about how in the Federation, they don't have money. I found eight examples from the original series, the original series movies, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and Discovery. Every single show that they have ever put out, including the one all these fucks worked for, like two years ago. This is not a revolutionary concept that this this should be hard for them to do. I, I, I don't... I don't understand why they've just decided to overlook such a foundational idea without ever trying to explain it at all. Like, not even an attempt. For the same reason that Picard is a completely different portrayal than anything we've ever seen in the movies or the the TNG before. That someone there has decided that this is the way it's going to be now and we like it more this way and fucking deal with it. Uh, it's It's ridiculous. And, I mean, to your point about the cash, like... We're not talking about like a one time like, well, actually, in season two, episode three, there was one offhanded mention. This thing. No, as you pointed out, like this is well established as as sure as humans fly around in spaceships. There is no poverty on Earth. There is no money on Earth. And everybody is hunky dory with it. So silly, whatever. They bribe their way onto the fucking planet. Whatever. He beams down. He is not greeted well. The last time we saw him transport down to the surface like everybody's like ah, oh, picard the savior yay now everybody's just like eh, whatever looks the other way he goes and finds uh his warrior nuns who are totally psyched to see him again i figured she was going to come up and like roundhouse kick him since that absolute candor you know he mm-hmm. just left every and i would say that's the real crime of picard not that the federation failed uh at keeping its promise and starfleet dicked everybody over but the fact that Picard never came around to personally, you know, tell people, I'm sorry this happened. If there's anything I can do, 
you know, I'll get out there in a little rinky dink runabout and fucking move people off myself. He just gave up and, and went back to uh, Chateau Picard and just left everybody out in the breeze. Like that's the real dick move of Picard and all this. And I do think that the series calls attention to that frequently and is well-deserved and, and it works. All right. But yeah, I was hoping she'd like, I don't know, flip kick him or something, but no, it's just like a hug and Hey, how you doing? You look like shit. Uh, we're great. Oh, you're here because you need something. Obviously you want one of these badass warrior nuns. Well, maybe, Oh, Hey, by the way, there's your, your stepson, adopted son, whatever that you also left hanging in the breeze. Uh, you can go see if he'll lend you his elven ears and, and have another person for your merry band of whatevers here. Here, here's another great point for us to flip out. What is this guy to Picard, right? What is Legolas to Picard? I mean, he's presumably supposed to be this distant father figure that abandoned him. That's what they set it up as. So like kind of like what? Like the F word family, right? This guy is so important to Picard. Ooh. Oh, you're going to make me mad. That <laughs> oh. He stopped his space quest to go save Data's daughter, which is like number one priority, right? And he's like, we got to get the fuck out into space to save data's daughter mm. oh also i got a uh, borg brain cancer i'm gonna die let me swing by this one place this one dude's like really important and i want to say goodbye to him because he means so much to me i'm gonna derail my my super important mission right 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 okay oh, man and this guy is so important to me and hey what's that he's might be kind of useful in my space quest so why don't I bring him along for my suicide mission? Because even though this guy is like family, he's useful. So let's bring him along, which is the oh. same fucking reason he said no to LaForge, Riker, Worf, all the fucking TNG cast members. We ranted about like half an hour last episode, why he wouldn't bring any of those people out because it's dangerous. and doesn't want anybody else to die, but his fucking space surrogate son, yeah, man, come along. It, it'll be great. What? You just killed people and I don't agree with your methods. Uh, whatever. We'll work on that. We're going to have a merry old space adventure. Come on. I, join the I, speed I, team. I was trying not to be angry about this episode, Peter. Why the fuck did you have to just ring that fucking bell so hard? Why? Why are you doing this? What the fuck, dude? Like, oh, my God. I didn't even I didn't even put that together at first glance. And now this is just infuriates me. All of that, that all of that beautiful uh, potentiality discarded with the I don't want the people that I care about dying for me anymore and the very first thing he goes and finds someone that they spend the entire episode setting up is someone he cares about be like hey man you want to come die for me like yeah. fuck fuck this show fuck this show now I will say what the hell l let me let me propose something to you and it's Picard's either crazy or Picard's kind of evil because he the cool part of this episode is that someone's got an old TOS era warbird or I'm sorry bird of prey yes no, that warbird. is neat it's, yeah, it's Romulan warbird it's like old school Romulan warbird like the old fucking uh, firebirds with like the phoenix airbrushed on the hoods like yeah 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 it fucking looks fun. awesome so they get down on the surface and Raffi's like looking at Twitter and she's like oh shit JL uh, you're trending and it's not good. People are pissed that you're here. And also these space pirates are coming up in this old Romulan warbird 
from TOS. And even though we've got the Normandy SR1, we are for some reason worried about them. And he's like, well, it's going to take me a couple minutes because I really need to get a ninja on our side. So he pitches this thing and the kid has his, you know, Legolas has his predictable like you left me stranded out here. You didn't give a fuck. You didn't ever come back and say goodbye, which is all legit reasons to be pissed. I don't I don't blame this guy at all. I don't blame space Legolas. He's like, now that you need something from me, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. And Picard's like, "Okay," so he goes to leave. And then in what is like the biggest head scratcher potentially out of everything we've seen. Picard's like, all right, well, get me out of here. And they say it's going to be seven minutes until we can transport you out because of this uh, ender shield surrounding the planet. He's like, "Okay." now Picard could have just said, hey, listen, space nun warrior princesses. Can I just chill out here in your opium den and hang out until my guy (laughs) can like transport me me out? out Maybe I'll like catch up with you guys since we were really good friends. No, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go out to the marketplace where I know that I already should be watching my ass because people are like tweeting some real raw shit about me since I fucked everybody over here. And I'm going to mosey over to the saloon where there's a sign hanging up that says no humans. And then I'm going to take the no human sign and I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to throw it on the ground. I'm going to step on it. Step on it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm going to walk in uh, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start waving my hand around and, and trying to order a drink and just really piss off people as much as I fucking possibly can to the point where it's like where I thought, man, people are going to beat his ass now. Like, no, there's another 40 seconds of him antagonizing the fuck out of people until finally this one dude stands up. He's like, you know, I used to be a senator and a big deal. And I remember you and I cried when you gave this speech about unity and all this other stuff. And, you know, you really let us down and you hurt us and we're in a bad way now. And I feel like Picard, like, patronized, like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we we failed in this and that. And then finally, like, the, the script ramrods, like, this guy's unreasonable. This this former senator, he's a dick. And him and his cronies, like, pull Picard out of the saloon and thrust a sword in his hand and say, you're going to fight us because, you know, we're we're Romulans. Why would you ever kill an unarmed man? We've never seen the show before. <laughs> We get some swashbuckling Picard because, you know, in case you don't remember TNG, he used defense. Uh, and then Legolas shows up out of nowhere and says, hey, listen, uh, you got to make a choice here. Do you want to live or do you want to, you know, do you want to do you want to leave and live or am I going to have to fuck you guys up? And of course, they choose to ignore Legolas and he does like a totally sweet barrel roll and cuts everybody's head <laughs> off. Like literally kills three guys in, in one sweet barrel roll that it results in one head like falling off green blood. It's a neat it's a neat moment, aside from the fact that there is a Ronin space samurai elf, you know, space layoffs. There's nothing Romulan about this guy. If yeah, you this... took him and you put a bow and arrow in his hand, you say, OK, this, this is there a new is there a new Lord of the Rings movie? Because this guy, everything about him is just elf. Uh, so he cuts his head off and then someone's going to shoot him in the back right as the Normandy beams up Picard in him. And then he snaps on him. He's like, how dare you kill those people? And it's like, dude, everything I just saw right there was a like a well-laid trap of Jean-Luc Picard. Like, fuck, how am I going to get this guy on my side? This this deadly ass space assassin. What situation do I have to instigate to force his hand and get him to join me? 
because my life is in danger because I've created a situation where I'm going to die if he does not intervene. Like, was there any point of that at all? It seemed like Picard just was victimized without it being a situation he engineered. Yeah, there was so much to unpack about it because a his choice to do that made no sense unless it really was like somehow some big galaxy brain 4d chess shit he's pulling to get the skin on his side which it isn't right like the show's not that clever i and and so the and also like the performance of the guy playing the senator was so bad like this is no, supposed wasn't. to be a no, it wasn't. yeah well, Listen, it was like it's dude it, i watched raffi fucking say okay. pro tip and and melt my face off like I, no I mean, if we're grading on ever... a curve, if we're grading on a curve, you right, you're absolutely right. But if we're grading in in a in a vacuum, it wasn't very very compelling. Like he just was kind of like getting through his lines. I mean, it wasn't anything special. It was supposed to be this big emotional moment, and it's like C plus at best. But I mean, I will I will admit, I was not having my face melted off by Raffi vaping her with her mouth fedora and then saying pro tip. So. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> but no, I mean, nothing about that seemed organic. And this is where I'm scratching. Like this and some other parts of the show, it's like, is the show really this bad with the script and and what I'm supposed to believe? Or, or is Picard like, blood is going to have to, someone's going to have to fucking die to get this guy on my side. I got to go into town and start some shit and force this kid's hand. And that's what happened. So like, if if that's the angle, if Picard has become Machiavellian, like the ends justify the means, I need to save Data's daughter and this Romulan kid or these space nuns, like if I'm going to need some muscle, they'd be good muscle. And ultimately, if they die, right, like Tel Shiar uh, Vineyard guy was like, you know, you need people who hate you, uh, but are good at what they do and are ultimately expendable. Like he the kid could fit the bill. And if he if. Picard does think that he's emotionally disposable. Uh, yeah, okay. Some Romulan senator had to die in the process, but now he's got this guy on his team. Is Picard evil? I, I don't. It's it's almost more creditable to say that than he really is this this guy who is a part of this chain of events that is completely fucking unbelievable. Whatever they get him. Uh, Meanwhile, there's this whole fucking side plot back on the board cube of uh, Victor Lannister <laughs> fooling around with Dodge, some sliding through the hallways in their socks or whatever. Like it's we've avoided talking about it to this point because it just seems so fucking pointless. Like all that happens is they make sex eye at each other. Uh, they have some awkward dialogue that, you know, again, tells the audience what they already know about. You know, that that Soji Tabuchi is not a person and, you know, was on the cube, you know, for reasons beyond the what Soji Tabuchi actually understands. And then, you know, space Jamie Lannister and space Cersei Lannister have some real awkward bedroom time together. So cliche. And, and so, you know, so cliche. Dumb as fucking who cares? What, again, what's. It's just a bunch of stuff picked out of other popular media and jammed into this. How can I watch Better Call Saul about a skeevy lawyer screwing around in a strip mall and just be captivated for an hour with 
the most minor trivial bullshit plots. And then I've got Picard over here trying to tell some epic story and, and everything they do just feels so contrived and cliched and eye rolly that it just fucking kills me. Star Trek, like you said, was so good at telling a slow story in one, you know, a, a full story in 45 minutes with nuanced character development, all this other stuff. And they've got all this time to tell those stories times 10. And we're getting like trope after trope shoved at us. Um, I, there's really nothing interesting I could say. They keep going back to this. I think ultimately they're going to get to some point where like the Borg had a religion. Like, leave the. F- <laughs> <laughs> the Borg were scary because there was no depth to the Borg. It was just people who sacrificed their souls to be robots and it got out of control. And that's that's the morality. That's the moral of the story is. You can go too far with technology and there has to always be a human element. Otherwise, you become a zombie like don't please do not go any deeper than that. And I, I really think they're going to with this uh, Romulan uh, religious scholar collapsing a hive somehow. I got a bad feeling they're going to also do something to the Borg they shouldn't do, but I mean, every, every, everything's kind of on the table at this point. They clearly don't what do understand what do? they're doing. If I had to speculate in the in the dark, we're going to like learn something about what the Borg have been up to that is just like extremely un-Borg-like, you know? They are engaging in some kind of subterfuge, yeah. which is just something that they literally don't do uh, by definition. The Borg have been making themselves look human so they can infiltrate human society and try and sell knives in a Cutco pyramid scheme. <laughs> Listen, Cutco knives are actually really good. So that's even even that. Does Joe, you're really hurting your credibility. Like first you said uh, Fast and the Furious is great. Now you're over here trying to fucking hawk Cutco knives. Uh, I'm you're, just saying you're I'm costing saying, some points here. I have a few Cutco knives and they're great. They're fantastic chef knives and they're. They're good quality product. I wouldn't buy one, buy them from a Cutco salesperson because they'll never leave you alone for the rest of your life. But if you can get your hands on them without having to do that, they're actually nice. They're a nice product. Speaking they're of nice eye product. rolls, uh, <laughs> the Romulan Warbird catches up with the Normandy and they start flying around shooting each other. And I don't know how to feel about a uh, let's see, God, how old would it be at this point if a TOS era warship was going up against I don't even know what the fuck to classify the Normandy as. I mean, is that just like basically a personal leisure craft? I don't I, know I what it go, is. I, I talked before about like how it's hard to get off of Earth when I never thought it would. Like how, playing by TNG wealth rules, right? Where anybody could have anything and replicators and all that. Like if I decided, hey, I, I want a spaceship. How do you think I would have went about that? Like you just save up 10 years worth of good boy points and then go cash them in and get yourself a, a ship because everybody gets whatever they want. Or is there like rules you got to play by? And then how does that translate into whatever goofy world Picard's living in? It's is Picard's world supposed to be at this point, arguably like a Calvin timeline world. You know, all of this would make for really good canon information if they bothered to actually talk about it on screen. But instead, we've got to have, you know, more time where 
were recruiting space Legolas. Like, what a great idea. Like, what a great concept to explore. Like, how does someone come into ownership of a private spacecraft in this era? Is that something anyone can do? Do you have to get qualified? Is it something that you can only do if you were in Starfleet? Is that a potential reason why people would join Starfleet? present? All of these potential avenues to go down but they don't is it like uh they don't go down galaxies where at level 10 you can now get access to the jump to light speed spaceship pack like, <laughs> uh so the cool thing to wonder about is okay how, how long ago was original series at this point two 200 years ish kirk's era i think that this would be so it would have been in the 20 to 23rd century and this is the end of the 20 uh for the 24th century right so almost yeah i would say at least 150 years old so a top of the line worship from 150 years ago compared to let's say a personal yacht in the current world like should that old of a technology be able to land any shots on the new ship or is it you know are we better off saying, you know, military will always hold superior advantage to civilian stuff? Uh, they're flying around. They're shooting. He's shucking and jiving. The warbird looks pretty cool, spruced up with uh, today's graphic capabilities. And they're in this firefight over. Well, you know, it's one shooting at the other over the Endor force fields. And then we get like our next eye roll moment for this series where discount Han Solo calls in the assistance of a holographic surly clone of himself with a gimped arm who only speaks Spanish. I don't what, what, whatever. Is this like an apology? Like, Hey, we're sorry. We've never really had a Latino character before. So here's two. And, and (laughs) well, it's it's, again, going back to the cost cutting measures of we're not going to have a crew. We're just going to have the same guy doing different fucking ethnic accents over and over and over again. But whatever, you know, uh, the the big reveal here is that the uh, Normandy SR1 gets bailed out by a mystery ship and they beam over the the captain of the mystery ship because it's going to explode after it bailed them out. And, oh, look, it's seven of nine. And then she wow. passes out. Oh, Wow. What a cliffhanger. Can't wait to watch next week, Peter. So excited. So this is a Frakes episode, man. I didn't get a single Frakes shot. There was never a zoom in close and then pull all the way up into the ceiling. All the lens flare. Like, where was my Frakes moment, man? Yeah, like the show just hasn't established enough of a house style for us to know, like where Frakes might have done his thing. I think I'm trying to think if there's anything that. I, OK, hold on. I can say one good thing about this episode. The conversation between Dr. Giardi and Discount Han Solo was neat. She is my favorite character on this show and probably its best actor. I am not stuttering like Allison Pill. Like she did a great job, like being the new kid in space. She was funny. She had good timing. She seemed to care. Like, who knew that the, uh, you know, third build lead of Aaron Sorkin's second best show would ever would ever be the best actor on a show, you know, with Patrick Stewart on it. But here we are. 
I will say what I liked about this episode is the continual punishment that Picard is getting, rightly so, for not even bothering to go around and tell people I'm sorry. Uh, and I did think the concept of absolute candor, uh, as a rejectionist lifestyle to the traditional Romulan values of subterfuge and treachery was cool. I wish it wasn't totally sweet warrior nuns who were doing like, what if, yeah, whatever. I mean, if they were just nuns that were like, we reject lies and, and they have this like ancient cachet with Romulan society because they're like the protectors of their myth or whatever. Sure. And that's why the Tal Shiar hasn't killed them all. Like they could have done a lot of things to like explain why these people exist. And somehow they had a hookup for assassins or something, but it was it was too much on one plate there. Uh, but you know, the, the standout moment is really just like Picard really being shitty and and creating fights where people are going to die. And he knew damn well, I think, that that guy was going to end up dying and those, that blood's on his hands. So um, I, I don't know how to feel about an I don't, evil Picard, I, I don't, but I like it. I don't think that's it, though. Like, the show's not that clever. It's not that clever. That was not done because Picard was 4D chessing. It was done because they just decided to have him do it because I think Patrick Stewart wanted his character to make some grand moral you know, statement about how, you know, a sign that says Romulans only was bad. Just but like seven minutes before he's going to beam up to go save Data's daughter. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's I know it doesn't make sense. And that's the fucking problem. Right. There's, it's it just it feels like cardboard cutout scenarios. That's yeah, it's that's exactly what it feels like. It too, was it's like two dimensional to to be believable. It is that it is feels like a. It feels like a bad Mass Effect video game. This felt like a bad side quest I had. It feels like bad virtue signaling. It's bad virtue signaling. It is. It's exactly what it felt like to me. It is. is, We want to show how woke we are, so we're going to have this scene. It's idealized virtual signaling. But it was way better than episode three. Uh, So I will say that my vote is that we continue into next week. I, I'm dedicated to this train. Like I was doubting myself after last week, but after this one, I'm like, no, I can, I can finish this because now I can hate it in confidence. And that helps my mental state quite a bit. So, well, let me say this. If you're out there and you've got access to the trauma support group, the V'ger please trauma support group on Facebook, uh, feel free to chime in. If you are having fun with these episodes that we are putting out, or if we feel like we just, beating dead horses and and dragging you guys along on an hour and four minutes of conversation. Nobody really wanted to hear. Uh, If you're not on the trauma support group, feel free to join. Uh, We welcome all input. It's been fucking banging lately. We've had a lot of good discussion because, you know, everyone's got a different opinion. Some people are, you know, more or less, uh, you know, aligned with our thoughts. Other people are getting more enjoyment out of it. So it's interesting to talk it over and uh reevaluate sometimes your thoughts on that basis also special shout out uh to spencer on twitter because she said something that really resonated with me and i think a lot of our discussion has been framed around it from the beginning and that was this really feels like we're watching somebody's sci-fi spectra script that they just slapped picard's name on and uh, this was a perfect episode to encapsulate that idea so On that note, we'll be back for 
more fucking punishment next week. See you then. <laughs>